Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is so good to see you. And I'm excited to welcome you uh, to the first Sunday in October. We are excited for what God has in store for you. So I'm going to invite you to take your seat as we jump into today's word. Are you ready for the word today? I'm excited to continue our series, Heroes. Um, And today I want to, I've selected Abraham. Abram, as you know him uh, prior to his name change, and becomes to be Abraham. And I truly believe that today's message has a lot of potential to change your life, particularly in increasing your faith and increasing our trust in God. So let's jump right in. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 is the the staple verse that we uh, are using where the writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and if you'll remember in week one that therefore references Hebrews 11, where we have the hall of fame of faith, where different people from different walks of life are named and highlighted, and that is what we want to do throughout this series, is celebrate and highlight these giants in the Bible and be able to see how they speak to us, how their stories speak to us. So this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race marked out for us. There's a difference between a race, a sprint, and a marathon. In a race, there's a difference between a sprint and a marathon. Let us run this race, which is a marathon for us. And we still have some laps to go. And our job here is not done until he says it's done. And the goal of this series, as I mentioned already, is just to highlight these people that, that speak to us and to be able to glean in on the insight and to be able to see the insight that they would have for us through their lives. This great cloud of witnesses because you and I both know um, there's a difference between being in the race and, and being a spectator in it, being a spectator in it. Uh, it's one thing to, to know that there's a coach that gives the command and there's another thing to know that there's a whole bunch of coaches uh, in the stands that, that give their input. But the truth of the matter is that there's different perspectives. There's different viewpoints. There's a different vantage point. So we see things one way as we run this race until he calls us home. But we want to glean some insight from Abraham and, and from Noah and from Elisha and the, the heroes that we have highlighted to see their perspective and their vantage point, to see their story, how it, how it finished. So when we look at this, there's some things that we can understand from Abraham. Abraham was the, known as the father of faith, known as a pillar of it. The Bible tells us that he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It was accredited to him. It, it wasn't that he was righteous, but it was counted towards him. It's kind of like when your teacher counted it a 50, I mean a, a 100 when you really made a 50. It's not that you did that, but it's that the teacher counted it as it. 
Abraham is, is the epitome of faith. He is, he is the, the prime example of it. We know that faith is the substance of what is hoped for, and it's the evidence of what is not seen. It's, it's what we're hoping for. It's what we're believing for. But I'd like to put it this way, that faith is when you don't have a clue and you still go there. Faith is when you don't have a clue and you can still go there. Faith is to believe. Faith is to believe that God is sovereign and that God is in control at all times. So for those of, those of us in this place this morning, for those of us that have gone through something, for some of us that uh, may be facing something today, and, and we can relate to our faith being tested when you don't understand God and when God doesn't seem to make sense to you, when God doesn't seem to make sense to us, because let's be honest, we've all been there where we've said, I, I don't know about this, but can I tell you this morning that when you don't understand God's ways, God always does the right thing. God always does the right thing. He does not make mistakes. Because how many times have we questioned and we have, have we been in a situation that we say, are you, are you sure, God? I, I don't know about this particular instance. And we, we tend to question God. We tend to question ourselves and we tend to question everything around us at different times in life. And for that, I want to dig into three particular stories or dig into uh, uh, Abraham's life at three particular times and be able to glean some perspective and some insight and, and to be able to understand uh, what made Abraham the father of faith and some things that we can apply to our lives. So my objective this morning is simply to increase our faith and our trust in God, to know that he is more than enough. And to be able to trust in a God that is so much bigger and to realize that there are simply some things that we won't understand, that we won't understand. But for us to be at a place that we trust him daily and to know, to know that, that he is in charge and we're not in charge. And to trust and to, to, to believe, to know that he, he is working behind the scenes when we don't even see him. And, and it is possible for us, yes, as believers, to pursue understanding, but, but for the faith person, for us to just not pursue some intellectual understanding, but for us to, to be at a level of faith in God, to know that I'm going to trust you for the unknown. I'm going to trust you for what I don't understand. I'm going to trust you for the moments that seem so dark. I'm going to trust you for the seasons that seem so cloudy because every one of us have had times, I'll say it again, where God doesn't make sense. And Abraham's life speaks to this particular topic because sometimes God is hard to understand. So let's go to the first story. I didn't include it in the YouVersion app. Uh, but I want to share it with you here. It's Genesis 15, 1. The Bible says this, that after this, so if you're taking notes, write that down. The word of the Lord came to Abram before his name is changed in a vision. And he said, do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. Aren't you glad that he's your shield? Aren't you glad he's your shield? Aren't you glad that he stands in the way that, how many things, can you just I imagine there are some things that we've gone through, but can you, can you fathom the fact that there are some things that came our way, but God said, no, I believe he's our shield. And I believe that he is 
our very great reward. He is the prize. Genesis 15 verse 2 says this, But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. So literally he is in a situation where his servant, his chief of staff, so to say, is going to be the one who inherits the one who inherits what Abraham, Abram has. And Abram said this, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Really, God? Is that what it has come down to? And then the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. It looks impossible right now, Abram, but a son is coming. It looks impossible right now, but you are going to be a father. And not just a father, you're going to be a father of many nations. And, and what stands out to me of this situation that is Abram is looking at his situation and it doesn't make sense. Sound familiar? And God is making an attempt for Abram to see it, for him to be able to capture it and to be able to understand it. And this is a dilemma for you and I as believers when God is trying to show us something, but we don't see it. When God is trying to lead us a certain place, but we don't see it. And what God is telling him, you are going to be a father. A son is coming from your own body. It doesn't make sense to him because of his condition. He is, he is at an old age. Sarah is past the, the childbearing age. There, there's just so many things that have come against him. It doesn't match up with what is in front of him. Have you ever had God tell you something that doesn't match up with your own situation? Have you ever been in a place where God is speaking greatness over your life and it seems like there is such a gap in between where your life is at and where he is telling you you're going to be? This is Abram at this particular time. He doesn't understand it. And the Bible tells us this, that he took him, speaking of God, he took him outside and he said, look up at the heavens and count the stars if indeed you can count them, because we know it's impossible, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So shall. God is trying to show him, but we can conclude that Abraham didn't see it. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why in just a second. Abraham did not capture it and didn't understand it. But I'll tell you one more time that God always does the right thing. And the first thing that I want to point out to you today is that even if it takes a long time, even if it takes a long time, I was expecting God to give me a child when my reproductive system was still intact. I was expecting God to do it for me and Sarah some years ago, but now. I think God's timing is off. I think God's timing. This is what we see in John chapter 11 when the Bible tells us that Lazarus has died. And Jesus stands outside of the tomb. And when he's, and he's, when he's there, Mary and Martha stand in the way and say, no, he's, he's been dead for four days and his body has a smell to it. So it's a little bit too late. But, but we understand that God's timing is not our timing. We understand that God's timing is not our time. God promised Abraham to be a father of many nations, but he doesn't even have one son. 
And some of us here in this place know what that's like when God is telling us something, when God is speaking to us, but yet it doesn't line up. But I have to trust that his ways are above my ways. And I have to trust that his thoughts are above my thoughts. And Abraham shows us that he really didn't capture and he really didn't understand what God was trying to show him that day when he took him out and told him to count the stars. And and the reason why we understand this is because he took matters into his own hand. Still no child? Well, look at Genesis 16, verse 1 through 2. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. They're, they're working out plan B on their own. They're figuring this thing out on their own. Perhaps I can build, uh, this is what she says, perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. And we understand that Ishmael is born, who, who we know to be the father of all the Arab nations. And, and the lack of patience on Abraham's part cost him a lot. And that's an understatement to say the least. Because our timing and God's timing are rarely the same. In our instant society that we live in, the now mentality, we have ATMs that we can go and get money out of. We have drive throughs that, that attend to us real quick. And some of you in this place won't even go through a drive through if there's more than five cars. You know who I'm talking about. We have microwaves because it's quicker, it's easier, and it gets me what I need right now. In, in a society that has trained us to be able to get everything so quickly, we have to be careful. We have to be careful and we have to wait sometimes. Those, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait on him. Second Peter tells us that the Lord is not slow to keep his promises. As some understand slowness. That's what the Bible says. The way it's understood. And can I say this morning, God help our understanding. Because he always does the right thing even if it takes a long time. He always does the right thing even if it takes a long time. He is always doing the right thing. And the second thing is, even if it seems absurd. Even if it seems strange. Even if it seems out of the ordinary, because God will do some things that seem strange to us. Because Abram is 99 years old, Sarah is 90 years old, and now you will have a son. Man, timing for them could have been better. But it's not about our timing. It's about his timing and his plan for our lives. Genesis 18 says this. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abram and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So the Bible tells us this, that Sarah laughed to herself as she thought after I am worn out and my master is old will I now have this pleasure then the Lord said to Abraham why did Sarah laugh and say will I really have a child now that I am old and then then this is what God tells Abram in this instance he says is anything too hard for the Lord 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? God is saying to someone in this place today, I believe through Abram's life, that is anything too hard? You feel like all the odds are stacked against you and you feel like nothing could come, nothing good could come out of your situation and that you've been through too much and that you face too much. But can I tell you, there is nothing too hard for him. They are literally, they literally have the odds uh, stacked against them and there is no he is 99 years old like in our world today and she is 90 and God is telling them this and they're saying no way if you would have done it some time ago I would have believed it but too much time has passed can I talk to somebody that says too much time has passed and I'm still struggling with this addiction or too much time has passed and my marriage still hasn't been healed or too much time has can I tell you there is nothing too hard for the God that we serve I've come to build hope in this place and increase faith that you can trust in a God that can do anything Is anything too hard for the Lord? Are you saying there's something that I can't do in other words? He says this, I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. And that was the word that was deposited over them. And that word was enough to change their situation. His word is enough for you today. His word can change your situation today. His word changed Abraham's and Sarah's situation. I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and you will have a son. Look what Paul says about this in Romans chapter 4. This is not in your notes. For uh, Romans 4, 19 through 21. Look, without weakening in his faith. This is Abraham. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good, as good, was as good as dead. These are some strong words. Since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. But look what verse 20 says. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. It didn't matter if everything was against them. God said it and he was persuaded. That's why he's known as the father of faith because he said God is going to do it. Sometimes it seems strange and sometimes it seems out of timing, but God always does the right thing. The third thing is he always does it even if it doesn't seem right. Even if it doesn't seem right. There's a distinction on this point because it's not that he's late. It's not that his timing's off. It's not that it's absurd. It's not that it's strange or different. No, the story that we're going to look at here is where God made the decision to destroy the city that we know as Sodom. And Abraham was concerned because his nephew Lot lived in this city. And Genesis 18 uh, tells us this, then, then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away 
the righteous with the wicked. And he starts bargaining with God. And Abraham is questioning God in this circumstance. And God, are you really doing the right thing? Are you sure you want to destroy Sodom? And, and he starts listing numbers. And for, will you destroy if there's 45 righteous? And, and God says, no, I will not destroy. How about 40? And, and the number starts dwindling down. And, but all, Abraham, after bargaining and after saying, God, are you sure about doing this? He ultimately arrives at the right conclusion. And can I tell you that we have all been there for the times that we have questioned God? Can I tell you, let's get to the place where we are right Will we arrive to the right conclusion? And this is what Abraham said. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And God always does right because he is always right. God always does right because he's never wrong. And faith understands this, that faith understands that God is always right. And I may not comprehend it right now, and I may not understand it, and I may not be able to wrap my mind and my heart around it, but I know that God is up to something. I know God is up to something, and I know that he is going to work it out in the end. Look what Proverbs 14, 12 says. It says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There is a way that appears to be right. It may look one way to you and I. It may look like, man, this is what needs to happen in this circumstance, in this scenario. Have you ever looked at a situation and said, this is what needs to happen? And, and it can appear like that to us, but in the end it leads to death because we can always have our own opinion. But I'm going to lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways I'm going to acknowledge him and he's going to direct my path. That's what we have to understand through this, that, that we don't always have it figured out. But he does. We, have an, we can have an opinion and it can appear to be right, but at the end, it leads to death. But we have faith. We have to have faith to know this, that he is the author, but he's also the finisher. We have to understand that he is not just the beginning, but he is also the end. He's not just alpha, but he's omega also. He's Omega also. And the fourth thing is this. That God always does the right thing. Even if we don't understand. Even if we don't understand. God tests Abraham. God tests Abraham. And, and you, you may have heard the story if you've been in church for a little bit. It's the greatest test of his life. Him and Sarah finally have a son. The boy has grown up spending time with him. And there's, there's only one son in their life, who is Isaac. And out of the clear blue, he tells him, take your son. Take your one son and take him up to Mount Moriah. Take him there, and it was a test of Abram's, Abraham's faith. The greatest test, because every parent in this place knows. The greatest test, take your son and take him up. The greatest test of his life, this was not like the possibility of having a child. 
This was not like Sodom. No, this is the word has come. The word has become true because God said it would. And, and now you're asking me to take, to take the son that you promised me, that you gave me in my old age. I'm going to be honest with you. I look at, I, I don't have, this is the one particular part that I have the most questions about. But when I look at the story, Abraham doesn't have any questions. This is the part that doesn't make sense to me sometimes, but Abraham did not question God. Yeah, he questioned him previously. He questioned Sarah, questioned him when they're about to have a child. He questioned him when, when Sodom was about to be destroyed. But by this point, Abraham doesn't say a word. But he's asking you, Abraham, to, to, to give up your only son. He doesn't, he doesn't say a word, and he starts packing his things. He starts getting ready for the journey. He never complains. He never questions. And this is what I want us to see in this particular verse is that the more we serve God, the more we trust him. The more you see his faithfulness throughout your life, the more you're able to stand through the challenges and the difficult moments in life and understand and say, he's never failed me yet. And to know that he is faithful at every turn and at every season. To know that, 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 that it doesn't matter what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds my tomorrow. <laughs> if the worship team will join me. The more you serve God, the more you trust him. This is where I want us to be today as a church that, that you can look back and say, nope, I, I remember that happened, but yet he saw me through. And the simple fact that you are here today, you can look back at your life and say, I've been through so much, but I'm still here today by the, by the faithfulness and by the mercy of God. And I believe that he is the same yesterday today and forever. The, we understand through this story that Abraham didn't just believe in God, but he believed God. And if God said it, it was going to happen. It didn't matter what the circumstance looked like. No, if God said it, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter that I'm 99 years old. It doesn't matter that my wife is 90 years old. If God says I'm going to have a son, I'm going to have a son. I want to tell someone today, that seems like you are in an impossible situation and you're buried in life. Can I tell you that there's a God in heaven that sees you and says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Can I remind you that I was young and I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants beg for bread. Can I tell you that he owns the cattle of a thousand hills and he will provide for you and supply your needs. According to his riches. Can I tell you that the more you serve him, the more you trust him. That the more you go through things, the more you're able to see, you know what? I've been through something similar like this and God saw me through. And I know he's going to see me through this time. And look what Hebrews eleven seventeen says. By faith, Abraham. When God tested him. Offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Even though God said to him, it is through 
Isaac, that your offspring will be wrecked. Can you, ima- can you imagine the things running through Abraham's mind? This is the one son that you've given me. You've told me I'm going to be a father of many nations. But if, you, if I give you Isaac... Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Amen. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. Abraham fully intended to go through with it. He intended to go through, didn't question, didn't have any doubt, but he knew the God that he served. And if it is through Isaac that my offspring is going to come, even if I kill him, he's gonna get back up again. (laughs) Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead through obstacles and through challenges, through trials and through through the different tests in life. I know that he is faithful. I know that he is faithful. He's never lost a battle. So I want to tell you today that he is your strength. And he is your portion. And he is more than enough. What I'm trying to do today is simply just increase your faith that God is on your side. And he will see you through. To know that he works all things together for good for them that love him. And when you look at the Abraham's life, in James chapter 2 and verse 23, the Bible tells us what we already know in regards to him, that he believed God and it was credited to him, credited to him for righteousness. But the Bible tells us that he was called a friend of God. What stands out to me about this particular scripture is that he didn't go around saying, I'm God's friend. People saw his life and said, there's something different about him. He's God's friend. They saw his life and they said, there's something different. There's something unique about him. And I I want to challenge all of us today, starting with myself that people would see God through our lives. That people would say, you know what, there's something that you have that's different and that we, that it just opens dialogue and conversation about talking about Jesus in our lives and what he has done and how he has held us together and how he has preserved us and how there's other people that have gone through what we've gone through but but yet we survived and it wasn't because of of who we are but it's because of who we serve but but to know that the life is is full of trouble and challenges and obstacles but that God says I'll be with you I'll be with you Abraham's words of encouragement can I can I tell you two more things quickly that we learn from him. If there's two, two things, additional things, should I say, that I can learn from Abraham's life is, is don't make earth your home. Don't make earth your home. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. 
Hebrews 11, 9 through 10 says this, that by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He said, I'm going to just live in a tent here because this is not where I'm going to stay at permanently. And can I tell you that in this place, all of us in this here, we may have, we have gone through moments where we have lost loved ones, but I'm grateful that we don't grieve without hope. We grieve with hope because uh, even though we hurt, we understand that this earth is not our home. We understand that I got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. And the, the final thing is that we have to live life with an eternal perspective. Hebrews eleven twelve says, And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. From this one man, made a difference in generations to come, making a difference in lives today. Hebrews 11, 13, 16 says this, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have the opportunity to return and said they were longing for a better country. Watch this, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today for your word for your word that comes to challenge us, that for your word that comes to remind us of your goodness, of your faithfulness, for your word that comes to lift us up in whatever moment we find ourselves in life, that we may be going through something, but we know that if you are with us, that we can make it, that we can, that we can overcome. We lean on your word, we trust on your word that says, when you said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And as I have overcome, you shall also. We hold on to that word. God, I thank you because there is nothing too difficult that we are facing in this house today. There is nothing too great in this place today that is too much for you. We bring our burdens. We bring our challenges. We bring our hurt. We bring our pain and we bring it to you. You are our comfort. You are our strength. You are our shield. You are our great reward. I thank you that we can bring the heaviness and trade it for a garment of praise. I thank you that I can bring to you what's weighing on my heart and just leave it at the feet of the cross. I thank you today for making a way where there is no way. I thank you for salvation, for healing, for restoration, for deliverance that is going to take place in your presence. We thank you because there is nothing that is impossible for you. We thank you because there's nothing too difficult for you. We thank you that you're always at work. 
And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you here today have not given your life to Jesus and you say, today is the day, I'm tired of carrying the shame and I'm tired of carrying the guilt that is just bogging me down, that is weighing me down. I'm tired of this in my life. I need Jesus. If that is you today, he, he stands at the door. The Bible tells us that he stands at the door and he knocks. That if anyone would hear his voice and open the door and let him in, that he will come in. He's waiting on you. And he says, I'll come in if you let me. He loves you just as you are today with your, with your failures and with your hurt and with everything that is going wrong in your life. He says, let me in and I can help you. Let me in and I can change you. Let me in and I can transform you. And if that is you today with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to invite you to just raise your hand as a sign of surrender right now. Right where you're at. Right where you're at. God sees you. We see you. I want to invite everyone at the sound of my voice to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for loving me when I was unlovable. I give you my hurt. I give you my pain. I give you my shame. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. And let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God praise for everyone that received him today? I'm going to invite you to stand. As we prepare to enter a moment of worship this morning, I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come up. If there is anything that you are facing and and been facing alone, been suffering in silence, going through it without being able to fully share and for someone to know. Can I tell you, we just, we love you enough that we make this an intentional part of our service. Not because we need something to fill our service up with, but because we believe in the power of prayer and we believe in the power of agreement. We believe that when we join together, that you don't have to pray for what you're going through on your own. And you don't have to pray for what's been weighing on your heart and asking God to remove it and asking God to work through it on your own. But that we love you enough and that we make ourselves available to say, we're here for you. We're here to pray with you, to pray for you, to pray together and to believe that God can do a great work in your life. So whatever it is that you're facing on different sides of the spectrum, it may be something on, on the inside, it may be something on the outside, it may be something just to, with you in your heart and in your mind, it may be something with you and your spouse, it may be something with you and your family, it may be something that you're going through at work or in your finances, but can I tell you that we serve a God that can work through everything? Can I tell you that there is nothing impossible for him? There is, no, there is nothing that you are facing that is uncertain for him. He knows all things, and he can work it out. He can work it out. So I'm going to invite you, as we enter a moment of worship, would you come? Don't you leave this place with the burden that you walked in with. 
Don't you leave this place with the hurt that you walked in with. Let God do a great work in your life. So once again, Father, we come before you and we thank you for working in every heart and in every mind and in every situation. We thank you that there is no place that you will not go. I thank you that there is no one in this place this morning that is too far gone for you. I thank you that there is no situation that has progressed uh, over time that has been, that is too much for you. But I thank you that you can work through it all. You can change. You can restore. You can heal. You can pick up. You can do what only you can do, God. And I thank you right now for the great work that you're going to do in every life. I thank you right now, God, uh, for healing. I thank you for blessings. I thank you for restoration. I thank you for your power working in our lives. Uh, we surrender our situation situations to you. We surrender our heartaches to you. We surrender our, our frustrations to you. And we trust you to do a great work today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.